Hello, my friend. Jeff C. here with a great new resource that I put together just for you. It's a complete database of all the tools that I use to create content and run my business. I've got apps, software, hardware, and even my favorite AI tools. It's easy to find what you need and tells you exactly how I'm using them in my business. To get access to my toolbox, just go to jeffc.com forward slash toolbox. That's J-E-F-F. S is in Sam, I-E-H. That's I before E, especially in C. That's how my mama had me learn it. So go check it out. And if you haven't heard me say it in a while, I appreciate you listening, my friend. And now, on with the episode. Keeping you up to date on the world of social media. Industry experts. Innovators. Creators. Storytellers. And the latest social media tools, tips, and tactics. This is Social Media News Live. Hello, folks. Welcome to Social Media News Live. I'm Jeff C. And you're not. And I'm Connor Brown. And this is the show that keeps you up to date on what's happening in the world of social media and more. Have you thought about some of this recent news of YouTube shorts taking away clickable links? Well, maybe you're wondering about how top creators are navigating this new linkless terrain. Maybe you're just getting started and are going, whew, I'm glad I waited to get into YouTube shorts, but what do I do now? Well, today's episode is for you. Today, we're excited to introduce a guest who's one of the first people who broke this news and had some strategies to work with it. Nick Nimmin, one of my go-to YouTube experts has delved deep into the world of linkless YouTube shorts and has emerged with strategies for creators. Nick will unravel his experiences, his discoveries, and his best practices for thriving in this new era. So sit back, clear your schedule, clear your mind, and get ready for this week's episode of Social Media News Live. Nick, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing fantastic, Jeff. Thank you for having me on. I'm super excited to, uh, you know, talk about anything YouTube, you know, with you, uh, with you today, especially, you know, with this shorts thing, because this is going to impact, you know, a lot of content creators that are using shorts um, to, you know, drive business awareness to do affiliate marketing or anything, you know, related to driving people off of the platform. Um, So this is a really impactful thing. So I'm glad that, you know, that it's uh, the subject of conversation today. Yeah, I know a lot of people like Chris Stone is an Amazon influencer, Connor Brown as well. Uh, We do a lot of stuff on Amazon. So this was a big deal when we heard this news. So I'm excited to talk about it. But I want to let you guys, if you don't know who Nick Nimmin is, well, you're not on YouTube. But he is uh, a renowned YouTube influencer and strategist specializing in helping content creators grow their channels and maximize their YouTube presence. Leveraging his personal journey as a successful YouTube content creator, Nick shares practical tips and insights about video creation audience engagement, and channel growth. His advice ranges from technical aspects like SEO optimization to creative elements like content development and delivery. So he's known really for his accessible and user-friendly tutorials. Nick has become a trusted figure in the YouTube community. He does, I mean, he just has a, a, a great video a couple weeks ago about AI that you need to check out because some of that stuff now is just will blow your mind. So you want to you wanna go over there because he continues to inspire and guide content creators on their path to YouTube success. Once again, Nick, I'm so excited. I know it's a, a time jump for you or you're in the past. I can never get it straight, but I really appreciate you being here today. Yeah, I appreciate uh, I appreciate coming on. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, uh, about eleven hours ahead um, over okay. here on this. All right, this that's that's that blows my mind a little bit. Getting so, nighttime anyway for you know this reason. So uh, so it is all good. 
fired up and ready to uh, ready to have the conversation. Awesome. I want to do a big shout out to our sponsors. You can find out more about them at socialmedianewslive.com forward slash ecam. They are what makes going live on Amazon and all the places and the repurposing that I do possible. Our friends over at ecam. You can find out more about them at socialmedianewslive.com forward slash ecam. Make sure you guys go over there and check it out right off the bat. So let's jump into this uh, news because this was a big deal. So Nick, can you kind of talk about how you see the removal of these clickable links from YouTube shorts that impacting creators, especially for those like we talked about the Amazon uh, affiliates who really rely on those external links for, you know, their business or affiliate marketing. Absolutely. So in the past, um, if you were trying to bring attention to your business or a particular product or service that you were promoting in some capacity, you could make a YouTube short about it. You could drive people down into the description to click on the link. You could send people to a comment, um, like a pinned comment, you know, underneath the video to click a link as well. So you had two opportunities there to directly send people into whatever it is that you're trying to get people to interact with. And um, starting August 31st, which is, you know, just a couple of days away now, um, YouTube is removing the ability for content creators to send any traffic whatsoever off-site. The reason that they said that they're doing this is because spam. So as we all know, when we're interacting with all these different platforms, there's the people that are out there trying to add value, and then there's the people that are out there trying to you know, abuse this stuff in some capacity and do harmful things with it. And because of that, um, shorts, because of the lower amount of effort it takes to create a lot of shorts, like for example, you can go to you know, some of the repurposing sites and you can upload an hour long live stream and you can get you know, 30 or 40 different shorts out of that. You can also use animation or animation automation tools to right. create a bunch of shorts very rapidly. And because of this, spammers are using it to basically flood the plat platform with, you know, 300 shorts per day, um, just as one example, wow. um, that are driving people off site, you know, trying to get their personal information, trying to get bank account stuff, misleading people thinking uh, into thinking that they won things, but all kinds of uh, horrible things like that. So it's left YouTube with the choice of we can let that happen or we can scrape all of the links um, that are driving people off site away from that and force these people to at least make longer form content. Now, look, I'm going to be honest. The approach, I think, is a little bit too much because mm -hmm. in my opinion, it's just as easy to make a video that is a minute and one minute long that is a you know horizontal video or even a 30 second horizontal video um, compared to shorts. But the difference is and the big humongous hurdle is that when it comes to shorts, they just pop up on people, right? You're just in the feed right. and they just happen to you. Whereas if somebody is going to interact with a piece of long form content, then in that particular case, they have to make the conscious choice to actually click on it, which is going to reduce the, you know, the opportunity those people are going to have, especially since all of that stuff, that side of YouTube with the long form is all performance based as well. So as soon as people hit those videos, they don't stick around long, then YouTube will quickly demote those videos. So it's good, but I think that they are definitely, you know, taking uh, an abrasive uh, approach right. to the you know, to the problem. And because of it, unfortunately, because of bad actors, um, there's going to be a lot of content creators that are, you know, maybe, you know, they're going to have to either start making long form content and get better at it, or they're going to have to, you know, find other, you know, ways to uh, kind of fill up that bucket, so to speak, of money that is going to be getting stripped away from all the links that they've been driving from YouTube over the last few years. 
So with before YouTube we shorts. get, yeah, before we get to your question, uh, Connor, I, I want to bring up a, a comment from our friend Chris Stone. He has a question. He goes, "What about shorts that we've already posted with links? Are they going to be affected?" Which that's yes. a big deal, especially. I don't have a ton of them, so it's not. I mean, I can go back and manually do it if I need to. But what about these people? And I know, like Chris is is a master at repurposing his shows and his Amazon lives to shorts. What's he going to do if he has this big back catalog? They're all gone. Yeah, they're all gone, Chris. I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but uh, but yeah, when it comes to the you know over you know the past you know few years since they've introduced this product, um, you are going to be one of the victims of this particular situation, and you're going to have to uh, take a different approach. Mm. So, are there just follow up? Sorry, Connor. I'm gonna keep, no, I Connor's, Connor's looking like oh dang it. Um, are there tools that we can use to help? I think you mentioned this in your video. Um, mm -hmm. Are there some tools that we can use to help batch process this over to Absolutely. change it to? Okay, okay. Can you give us yeah, some of those? Yeah. So, so the the problem that you're going to have as a creator, if you have a bunch of links in your um, descriptions that you're trying to get out, is or that you're trying to modify in any way, is that you are going to have to manually open up, you know, every individual short, and then you're going to make that change, and then you're going to have to save it, and then you rinse and repeat that process. Uh, there's a tool called TubeBuddy that is a YouTube specific tool. They've got 90 different tools that help content creators with their you know workflow and helping them grow their channels and stuff. But with that particular tool, they have a find and replace tool. They call it a bulk update tool, but it's a find and replace tool where essentially you can say out of all of my videos, look for this link or look for this phrase in this link. And then you can say, replace it with, and the words that you're going to want to use here are going to be, you know, check the link in bio or the link is in my bio or the link is on my channel page or something like that so that you can use that text to drive them to your channel page. And the reason that you want to take this approach in terms of changing those links out is because when, you know, YouTube is taking those links out of the short shelf, they are adding a set of links to our channel pages. Now, this is only going to work well for people that are promoting just a few things because the the maximum amount of links that they've added to our channel page is 14. So in that particular case, you know, like Jeff, you're an Amazon affiliate. Mm -hmm. So because of that, you probably have a bunch of, you right. know, different things that you promote. So because of that, it's not going to make a ton of sense to just list all of those on your channel page. So the workaround in that particular case is going to have to be driving them to your bio and then, or your channel page, mm -hmm. driving them to your channel page. Once they're on your channel page, then maybe for the people that have the skill sets to do it, building some type of resource site or something like that, that you would right. drive people to. And then that's where you would add all of the, you know, links to everything or start driving them to specific videos that then have those long form videos that then have those links in the descriptions. So what, luckily we have, as Amazon influencers, we have a shop page, which we could drive people there, which would yes. have all our content on. So uh, Chris has a follow-up question. Both the links in the descriptions and the comments are gone? Correct. Yeah, that's okay. correct. And, and, and I think that the downside of this is, okay, so you mentioned sending people to your, um, you know, your Amazon store. So if you, if you have those links in your, um, on your channel page, then in that particular case, let's say you have a link to your Amazon store, you have a link to your website, you have a link to, um, you know, some other resources that you have, maybe some other social media accounts, things like that. Well, you just, 
destroyed. And I mean, we'll see how it works out. But in my opinion, I think this is going to negatively impact conversions in a major way because in the past, it's like, hey, here's this thing. And if you want to try it for yourself, all you got to do is go down to the description and then click on that link and it's isolated, right? So it's like, hey, here's the thing. You can point to it and all that. Now people are going to be tasked that are interested in that thing and actually going and hunting it down. And you know how it is. Like, you know, unless somebody's really that that's unless it's really important to them, they're just going to get distracted on YouTube, right? Maybe they're going to see one of your videos on your homepage, or maybe they're going to see one of your other links. They're like, oh, they're on Twitter too. I haven't followed them on Twitter yet. Let me go check them out over there. And then bam, they're gone. Right. Yeah. So because of that, I think it's going to, you know, negatively impact conversions overall from doing that. However, you know, with the volume that you can sometimes get on YouTube shorts, you know, it might end up working out, but you know, the whole thing in my opinion is a, is a bit unfortunate, but, um, another thing that is a positive in terms of what YouTube is doing. And, um, this one is, is pretty major. And I think that it's going to take viewers a little bit of time to get hip to, you know, this adjustment, but they are also adding something called content links. So what content links are is, if you've ever been on YouTube and YouTube shorts and you've been watching a short that has been sampled out from another, uh, another long form video of that creator, they've remixed it. There's going to be a direct link right there on the page that takes you into the long form content. So YouTube is adding the ability for us to be able to drive people to any videos that we want from any short that we want. So we're going to be able to customize those links and drive people wherever it is that we want. So the downside, of course, is if we send them directly to our bio, then in that particular case, you know, they're going to have to dig through links or go visit a website or something like that in order to find them. But what we're going to be able to do once they deploy this is we're going to be able to say, okay, we're going to create 10 different shorts. Um, out of those 10 different shorts talking about, you know, different aspects of this product, all of them are going to point to this one long form video, maybe where we have a deeper dive on that product, or maybe we're talking about the advantages of it. And then we're driving people into like a full blown review or something like that. Um, but we're going to be able to point all of those shorts at one long form video, which I think um, is going to be a much better solution than driving people to your channel page. Mm, that's a great point. One of the things I want to follow up on just so people who are listening, um, you mentioned that, you know, I wonder if these, some of these link in bio things are going to work. I know a lot of TikTokers are using a thing called cake, which is like, you can actually put your individual like, uh, products on Amazon on there and have like a little store inside of kind of that link in bio thing. And the other thing is, uh, Nick mentioned, um, TubeBuddy, and I know he's an affiliate, so I want to give him credit because mm -hmm. he, I think I even got on TubeBuddy from him, but if you go to oh, nicknimmon.com nice. and that's N I C K N I M M I N.com, he has his affiliates link there. So if you're interested in TubeBuddy and you've been doing a lot of YouTube shorts, go over to his website, click on TubeBuddy. Uh, that way he gets uh, all the credit for that because uh, it, it really is a really great tool for managing YouTube. All right, Connor, sorry, I'm done. Go for it. No, it, it is all good. I think, you know, this is a big change and we're going to have to kind of think about how are we going to start promoting stuff within the videos that we're talking about. Nick, in your awesome video about this change, you mentioned how creators are going to start to focus more on those calls to action, like verbally or, or doing some sort of cue within the videos rather than relying solely on those links in the comments and the descriptions, things like that. Could you elaborate on some of those best practices? You've been doing this for a long time, way before the shorts product came into the game. So when it comes to calls to action in videos, what are some best practices? 
Well, in that particular case, when it comes to, to shorts, um, you know, another creative option that people are going to be able to do is if you are somebody that that can build websites and you can look at a website because, you know, not everybody you know can do this. But if you can build a website and you can look at it and you can say, like, OK, is everything easy to understand is the you know things I'm trying to bring attention to or those prominent blah, blah, blah. Like if you can go through all of that and you can build a website that can list all of the things that you have, then in that particular case, you can just say your website in the short. Yeah. So you could say like, hey, find out more about this at, you know, bestcreatortools.com, which is my website, by the way. Um, and then that way that that kind of burns that into the video itself and it keeps the person from needing to go and hunt for the thing that you're bringing attention to. But again, it puts us back into that scenario to where people are going to have to dig around a little bit in order to find what they want. So the next step in that would be go to bestcreatortools.com slash toaster. Right. Like if they're if they're looking for, you know, a toaster or your name, you know, if it's your if, you, if it's your, you know, if it's your personal website. So it's like your name slash toaster for that particular product. Um, and then in that particular case, you know, it would make it a little bit easier for people to find. Um, but I think, you know, adding those types of calls to action to it will make it, you know, a little bit easier. But it also adds to the skills that you're going to need or the money that you'll need to invest in order to um, be able to take advantage of something like that. Gotcha. So Chris, uh, once again, he goes, uh, I agree. He's over watching over on LinkedIn. He says, agree with Nick adds a speed bump. Yeah. Uh, and he also had mentioned earlier, like this is what we get for on rented land, which it's just part of like what we have to deal with. And also he goes, if, do we know yet if the link is removed altogether or is it the text remain and just becomes unclickable? Because I know some people like to copy and paste this stuff, but that's even, an, I think a bigger speed bump, but what do, what do you know yeah. about this? Um, the text is you can uh, copy and paste the text. The text will remain there, um, but the the ability from the, the, for them to click it is going to go away. So uh, for desktop users, it won't be as bad. But for mobile users, um, you know, trying to copy and paste something on a mobile device is going to be a little bit of a challenge. So because of that, I think it's still going to have a negative, you know, impact. Um, but yeah, they can absolutely copy and paste that link uh, if you know if that was the uh, the, the way that you would prefer to, to have them do that. Do you, I'm sure you know this, but are where are people consuming the most content from YouTube? Is it on a mobile platform? Is that I mean, is that where yeah, mobile devices? That, that's why I mentioned the mobile thing. Yeah. So, okay. so, um, yeah, I think it's 80, I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but it's over 80% of the viewership on YouTube comes from mobile devices. Um, YouTube TV is eating into that, um, right now because YouTube TV is like the fastest growing viewership right now. Uh, but mobile devices are where most people are consuming content. So just as a little side tip for everybody, when it comes to your thumbnails, when it comes to how you're leading people around your channel, you know, hitting video descriptions or hitting your channel pages or going down to pin comments or leading them into playlists or whatever just make sure you're always thinking about that experience on a mobile device even when it comes to how you're structuring your channel page because it's best practice to make sure that you know you have your recent uploads at the top so you can drive people into that and then from there that you start organizing the content based on the content that's currently driving the channel in terms of the interests that people have that are coming in the most and as soon as you look at your channel on a mobile device, you're going to see why, because when you land on a YouTube channel on a mobile device, you have to scroll a bit in order mm -hmm. to, you know, start getting into more and more of the content once you get past that, you know, very uh, top playlist. So, um, so you definitely want to make sure that you are taking the viewer experience through your own content and channel um, on a mobile device. So you can, you know, make sure that you are optimized for that. So on that note, and I'm going to geek out about a little bit and, and go down a little rabbit trail, which I never do on this show. Uh, um, but 
I just saw a great video from TubeBuddy, actually, and they mm -hmm. were actually taking some stuff that Mr. Beast had said on another show and saying that maybe thumbnails aren't as important as much as the autoplay feature. Like when you're, when you're going through a mobile device, you see like the five seconds of the video and that's enticing people to click more. And Mr. Beast, if you guys do not know, he is like a huge, I don't know if he's the most watched, but he's the huge on, on YouTube. Um, but he actually optimized his thumbnail so it fits in with those first five seconds, which is, I was like, okay, kind of blown away about that. What are your thoughts about optimizing for YouTube using, because we're talking about mobile devices now, with those first five seconds? Like, have you experimented with doing some, you know, on those first autoplay seconds? Does it make a difference or not? And I'd love to know your Absolutely, thoughts. Absolutely, it does. Okay. So, um, so first off, when it comes to thumbnails, in order to get somebody to see that auto preview, they need to stop for a second. Mm -hmm. So because of that, you still need to make sure that you're grabbing people's attention in your thumbnails. And a quick hack for that, for anybody that's new to you know creating content, is the thumbnail, the whole job of the thumbnail is to grab the person's attention that you are trying to reach. So for example, if you are making videos about um, you know, camera equipment, then in that particular case, it's a really good idea to have some type of camera equipment big and prominent in your thumbnail because the people that are interested in camera equipment, when they're sitting there scrolling on their mobile device on YouTube's uh, home feed, um, as soon as they see that, they're going to stop because it's something that they're interested in, right? So because of that, you need to make sure that you are just focusing on the things that will help the people that you're trying to reach identify that your content something that they might care about. But then when it goes, when they do stop and then that auto place, starts. Um, if you can make that engaging in some way, it's definitely beneficial. Jeff, you mentioned um, just uh, uh, when we were first getting started about the AI video that I published. Mm -hmm. So using that idea, um, I made the first, you know, very uh, beginning of that video to where, you know, if the thumb grabs their attention on, you know, creating the AI backgrounds, as soon as the video starts, I have my backgrounds just right. changing and changing and changing and changing. So the eye candy for that is like, whoa, what is going on here? And it all like looks good and it doesn't look hokey and all of that. Right. Um, and that video, you know, people, you know, responded, you know, heavily um, to that. The video that I'm going to be publishing next, which is also an AI uh, related video, I'm doing the same exact thing. And I'm, I'm on that particular one. It's like changing yourself and like, you know, all the different AI tools that you can use to, you know, help you with your, you know, YouTube journey. And in that particular video, I've spent three days <laughs> just on the first minute of that particular video. Um, and then like after that first minute, you know, the rest of it, it's going to be just like a normal video. But I've spent three days on that um, first minute just because of the importance of the audio autoplay that you're talking about. That's really interesting because I, mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of people are talking about that. And so I'm, thank you for, for sharing that. One of the, and by the way, you guys uh, who are listening to this as a podcast, Nick does the, the videos he's talking about, this AI one will blow your mind. So make sure you guys go check that out. And you can find him at youtube.com forward slash at Nick Nimmin. So that's where you can find him. Just do a search. I'm like, it's the first thing that pops up in Google. He's, he's way up there. So like I said, we're lucky to have him on the show today, but check out his YouTube channel. It's really, really good. The question Thank I you. have next is so, and we'll get into this hopefully a little bit later in the program, but you know, YouTube shorts and TikToks kind of have this rivalry going together. Do you think this makes the removal of links makes shorts more or less competitive with that short form kind of video market that they're both in. Well, I, I think when, when they're removing a content creator's ability to make money easily, that it's a step in the wrong direction. 
Um, and it doesn't matter what platform it's on. Like, I think that, you know, as soon as they're stripping those links away, and I understand, you know, it's because of, you know, the malicious nature of what people are doing. But um, I think that as soon as you start taking away opportunities for people, then it starts, you know, making people not want to do it. Um, because in that particular case, it's then it makes you start thinking, okay, well, um, like in Chris's case, if he is making a bunch of YouTube shorts for the sake of affiliate marketing and it's working for him, then in that particular case, he is motivated. Okay, hey, this is working. I know that if I make X amount of shorts that typically X amount of them will end up getting X amount of views. And because of that, I can typically depend on based on the things that I'm talking about that at least X amount of people will end up clicking on these links and out of those people that click, at least X amount of people are going to end up you know, converting into a sale or a lead. And because of that, I know that I need to make X amount of shorts in order to make that happen, right? Mm -hmm. So there's motivation, there's a reason to do it. Um, when it comes to, you know, if it's not, if you're not a creative, right? If you're not a creative and you're using it for the sake of business or generating income, um, then in that particular case, you know, it just kind of strips that away. Now people can still make money from ads, but in order to make money from ads in YouTube shorts, you know, you have to get, a, you have to get an obscene amount of views in order to, uh, you know, make the ad revenue worth it, but it is good, you know, for growing your channel. And one of the things, um, the, the long-term advantages of YouTube shorts is that, YouTube is building these bridges between short form and long form content. I had a friend of mine, he just started a channel and he sent me a message about it. He's like, Hey man, I uploaded my first like several videos on it. Um, and I went and I looked at, uh, one of his videos and I looked at his channel cause I, you know, had to give him some, right. you know, like, Hey man, change this, update this, you know, right. put this information here, make sure you're, you know, don't do this at the end of your videos, that whole thing. And, uh, um, I, you know, spent, I would say maybe 15 minutes on his channel, just on that one video. And then just looking around the channel, at what he had set up. As soon as I uh, logged back into YouTube, um, I saw three of his shorts getting recommended to me. And then I saw, you know, his long form videos getting recommended to me as well, even though I didn't interact at all with his YouTube shorts. Mm. So because of that, and it works in the other direction too, because of that, if you're watching a lot of shorts from a, t from a particular creator, YouTube is now identifying that. They didn't used to, but now they are. Um, they're making that connection um, in the viewer histories of the viewers. So because of that, the long game and the long-term advantage of YouTube shorts is basically just getting in front of a bunch of new people. And if they're enjoying the content and they're engaging with it there, then they are more likely to get shown your long form content as well. Doesn't mean they're going to click on it, but it just means that YouTube is more likely to actually show it to them. Got it. That's awesome. That's huge. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, this change aside, we always know there's going to be another change down the road with all of these YouTube, especially so Nick, when you, with that in mind and, and pairing it with long form in, in both aspects of that, what do you see the future of YouTube shorts as, especially as things are changing constantly looking at that crystal ball, what, what do you see this becoming as part of the platform and in a creator's journey? Um, I think that shorts are a fantastic place for somebody to get started. Um, I think that shorts are going to continue to thrive um, on YouTube because, you know, like as marketers, you know, we look at it like, hey, they're removing links. What's going on? You know, this is going to impact right, us. But, you right. know, as a as a creator, um, you know, as a creative, uh, YouTube shorts are still uh, incredible in terms of just getting in front of, you know, people that might not have, you know, otherwise seen you like, yeah. you know, one thing that, in my opinion, is is the best part about YouTube shorts. And they've intentionally designed it this way is that 
that there isn't like a, a strong barrier to entry. So anybody at any time, like while we're making this show, I could hold up my phone, I could record myself just saying what it is that I'm saying right now. And then as soon as this is over, I could post it to YouTube without any microphone, without anything else, yep. just the audio coming raw from the phone. And that video might get, you know, a thousand views or it might get, you know, a million views just based on somebody sliding up and then bam, there I am, right? And if they find it interesting or not. Um, whereas, when somebody is getting served the long form content, they have to make a conscious choice to click on it. So you, that requires skill sets on behalf of the creator. Um, it requires them to be able to write good titles. It requires them to be able to come up with good video ideas. It requires them to be able to make, you know, uh, compelling thumbnails as well that, you know, grab people's attention and, you know, hopefully we'll get them to, you know, watch it long enough to actually, or to see it long enough to actually click into the video. Um, so there's just a lot more involved when it comes to long form content. And I think that, YouTube Shorts is amazing for new content creators because another big problem is when it comes to long form content, if you've never done this type of thing before, a lot of people will start a long form YouTube channel and they're like, man, I published like 20 videos and I'm getting like, you know, 150 views a video. Like, yeah, it's still 150 people per video, right. but like I thought that it would be way better than this. And the problem is that, you know, you're competing with a bunch of people that know what it is that they're doing, right? And people have to make that choice. And if you're not good at helping people identify the content is something that they care about and then compelling them to click on it, then, then you're not gonna be able to compete until you get those skill sets up. Whereas with YouTube Shorts, you can just make whatever, right? And you can be like, hey, you know, I, hey, I'm walking down my sidewalk and I'm sharing some, you know, business tips, um, you know, about something that I learned yesterday in some podcast and I'm just sharing it with other people. And then in that particular case, YouTube is just gonna show it to people. It's just gonna happen to people. And as long as people just keep enjoying that content, then they'll continue to show it to people. And if they don't, then they'll show it to a nice handful of people and then they'll, you know, suppress the video right. in favor of, you know, the content that is keeping people watching and keeping people engaged. So it's a low barrier to entry and it's motivating because, you know, when you have a long form video and you've published a bunch of them and you're not getting a lot of activity, it'll make you want to quit unless you're, you know, unless you have that tenacity. But when it comes to short form, you can just keep uploading videos. They're easy to make um, and YouTube is going to show them to people. So because of that, it just, it just, it's, just, it's motivating because you start to see the results. It's like, Hey, I am, you know, I, I am getting right. some traction here. Some of my shorts got a thousand views. Some of them got 10,000 views. Some of them got a hundred views, but I do have those standout videos. So I think I can do this, right? It's working. So because yeah. of that, I think, I think that's the real value in YouTube shorts. And for, for even for those, you know, of us that are, you know, experienced at this, like myself and you guys, when, you know, when people are watching YouTube shorts, it also gives you the opportunity to capture a different type of viewer, the same type of viewer in a different environment. Because, you know, like if you're sitting down at a computer or you're like trying to learn something or you're, you're settling in for like a long form piece of content, like people listening to the show, for example, then, you know, you kind of reserve that time for it. And you're like, okay, hey, 10 minutes, 15 minutes for a video or maybe an hour for a podcast or something. And you know what you're getting into and you kind of reserve that time. But with shorts, people are watching shorts like while they're on a bus, while they're, right. uh, you know, sitting in an Uber. People are watching shorts when they're in the bathroom. They're watching shorts <laughs> while they're watching TV over here just yeah. because the TV is not keeping them engaged. So they're just sitting there going like this, just looking for something that'll give them some dopamine. So it just gives, you know, people, uh, you know, the content creators, it gives us the opportunity to reach people in a, in a different way. Yeah. I want to bring up a comment again from my friend Chris Stone. He says, you know, the same thing has happened to Amazon influencers. Bad actors have uh, caused the platform to make major changes that affect everyone negatively instead of complaining. We move onward. Yeah, he does a great job of yeah. that. 
we're just gonna not gripe and just figure out how what works which nick that's all you can do yeah yeah all these platforms they're also massive like you know you can you can stand out front with a sign if you want to and still nobody's gonna you know nobody's even gonna acknowledge it unless you know right yeah still yeah like like, you know yeah like the only option is to move on and figure out other solutions (laughs) yeah or just roll over and die um the, the question that i have is um how is does search work with shorts? Because for example, I have like, and it's the weirdest thing. I did a shorts. My son did it for me, and I actually posted it to my um, my Amazon channel. That it's like a practice golf ball. For some reason, mm-hmm. that thing is. I get a lot of views on it every week. This stupid, and I get clicks over to Amazon from it. Are people searching for that? Is that why it's becoming surfaced? I mean, how does search work in shorts? And is there a, a strategy behind that? Uh, kind of with 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 what you plan. Absolutely. So when it comes to uh, shorts, they do show up in search results. They also, you know, they will also fall into their general recommendation system. So YouTube is trying really hard right now to pull people into the short shelf and just get viewers, you know, more used to interacting with shorts. So because of that, even on YouTube's homepage, you know, on a computer, you'll still see shorts on TV. You can watch shorts. Um, But when it comes to search specifically, if you optimize your short for search, as long as people respond to it, you know, when they are looking for that particular term, then in that particular case, you know, it might, uh, you know, end up bringing in a decent amount of traffic. In fact, um, and you can see this in your analytics, if you go to trap your traffic sources report for each individual piece of content, you can see exactly where the views are coming from. So you can actually attribute that to, to, okay. to, the, uh, to, to search Jeff, but um, like the best short on my channel currently, it, like uh, almost all of the traffic from that is is from search instead of being from the uh, the short shelf. Gotcha. The yeah. other question as we get into this is we're going to start moving into like strategies for this. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed because I also follow you on TikTok and I see both of your kind of vertical kind of content you're putting out there. Like you did a, st- a tour of your music setup, which I thought was fascinating, but I saw it on TikTok and I did not see it on your short shelf. And I went there mm-hmm. to, to see, okay, I'm like, so why did he post it there and not on his YouTube channel? So can you talk about the short for content where you should put different aspects of it? Is there a strategy behind, I'm going to share some of this, maybe a little personal stuff over on my TikTok channel versus on my shorts channel, which I talk about YouTube strategies and that kind of stuff. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So when it comes to um, vertical content, the default, especially for marketers, is, hey, I'm going to make this one vertical piece of content. I'm going to put it everywhere. When you do that, there's no reason for people to follow you in other places, because in that particular case, they can get the same exact thing from you in all of the different platforms. Right. So because of that, you know, putting unique stuff in each individual one alongside of some of your repurposed content, it gives people motivation to actually follow you in those places. And it's also it, all, it can also be a, a testing ground for content that you're wanting to publish maybe on your main platforms, but you publish it to test it out on your hobby platform, so to speak. Mm. So for me personally, like TikTok is an afterthought. Um, I use TikTok to, you know, just kind of put up some extra stuff there so that some people, you know, will find me over there and then I can add some value to them for anybody that's, you know, trying to learn about YouTube. But I'm also, you know, just kind of casually, I've got like a music video up there that I made, an AI music video. I've got, you know, some behind the scenes stuff and, you know, things like that, that isn't necessarily an ideal fit for the value that I want to provide from my main YouTube channel. So, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, putting content on all the different platforms, I think that if you are using all this stuff um, to, uh, you know, 
grow your brand um, or to generate income in some capacity, then in that case, you know, be aggressive, go everywhere, you know, use TikTok, Instagram Reels, Facebook Reels, Clapper, YouTube Shorts, like use everything. Um, but in my particular case, YouTube's my jam. I love YouTube. I eat, sleep and breathe YouTube. And because of that, that's my, the thing that I focus on. Um, and then, you know, TikTok for me is just kind of a place where I'll test stuff and then I'll just kind of show people some stuff that might not necessarily have the same, you know, value for the people that are watching my, my videos on my main channel. Awesome. Yeah. So I think, I think that's fascinating because it's, it's cool because I was, I even, I did go double check. It's like, why I've always wanted, like, I even got my monitor because of you, uh, um, Nick, I have that big one you used to do on your live all the time. Oh, the G9. Yeah. yeah I'm looking it. at it right now. Yeah. That's what, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. You guys are on it right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing, especially for live streaming. Cause I can have all my mm -hmm. stuff up. In. But, um, I didn't see your, your walkthrough of your, and I knew you made music and I, cause I could see little hints of it when you would do the, the live show. I'm like, Oh, and then when you did the studio tour, I was like, Oh, okay. I'm going to dive in and find out how he actually has it set up, what he's using, you know, using native instruments, like what I use. So it was just really cool when you can dive into those, those places. And I think that's a really cool piece of strategy. Connor, go ahead. Uh, yeah. Um, so I think all these things that are updating, always updating, you've seen it, we've seen it, algorithms, uh, policy changes, it's a lot. And, and I think it can be really daunting when you're trying to come up with a strategy, not knowing what's going to come down the pike. So Nick, based on your experience, you know, you're so successful and established in running a YouTube channel and a business based around it. How do you advise other creators uh, to adapt their strategies and maybe even their objectives in lieu of all of the things that are constantly changing? Well, I, I can't remember who said it, but um, but there's some quote out there where somebody said something along the lines of, you know, the only thing that is constant in life or the only thing that never changes um, is the fact that everything's always changing. Right. <laughs> so because of that, I think that as, you know, entrepreneurs, as content creators, as, you know, business people, you know, even if you are, you know, if you work for somebody, whatever the case, um, if you're leveraging this stuff in any way, you just have to roll with the punches. And every time they make an update or every time they make a change or like this case, you know, where they're, uh, you know, stripping out the links from shorts in that particular case, you have to make the call. Okay. Am I going to abandon this or, you know, that particular platform or that particular format on the platform, or am I going to try to come up with, you know, another solution for it or maybe a longer play? So when it comes to all of this stuff, um, you know, anybody that I work with, I always recommend that they think long-term because, you know, with all of this, you know, the videos that you're publishing today, people are still going to be watching those videos years down the road. So because of that, when these changes happen, um, it can impact, you know, some content that you've published previously, but when you go multi-format, then it's kind of like a parachute because then in that particular case, just like investing, right? So like when you invest, you know, yes, you can just put everything into mutual funds if you want, but you can also, you know, kind of get a little bit risky. Hey, let me try real estate. Hey, let me, you know, throw some money into, into crypto. Let me, you know, buy some stocks, whatever. And, you know, the whole idea is just to diversify so that if something isn't working out the way that you had thought or hoped that it was going to work out, then you have these other things that will, you know, support you, so to speak. You know, with this content thing, it's the same. So when you are multi-format, then when those things change, people can still listen to your podcast. People can still hang out in your live stream. People can still watch your long form content, um, but you can still 
leverage the short form content to bring awareness to all of those other formats, right? So instead of looking at it in that particular case, like, hey, I'm going to do all of these shorts just for the sake of adding links in the description and trying to get people to go off site, instead start thinking longer, okay? So it's like, okay, well, how can I make the most? Yes, by, you know, making these shorts and, you know, driving people into these links. But if I could actually build a brand around what it is that I'm doing and get people to know, like, and trust me through all of this, these different formats of content that I'm putting out, then in that particular case, I might not get as many clicks, but the clicks that I get because people trust me, they're going to be way more likely to make purchases based on what it is that they're seeing. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm always a fan of just thinking long-term and then also going multi-format for the sake of, you know, having those parachutes in the event that, uh, you know, one of the formats either doesn't work out just because you're not good at it. Cause we're not all good at everything. Um, or in the, case like we're dealing with right now with YouTube, um, where they end up modifying it in some way to where you either decide not to do it, um, or you have to, you know, leverage that particular feature in another way. Yeah. Gotcha. I think that that leads perfectly into a, a follow-up kind of from Chris Stone, uh, Jeff, if you see that comment, ever the opportunist, uh, Chris Stone, instead of looking at this as a bad thing, should we instead look at it as an opportunity doubling down on our efforts while others might be scaling back on their shorts? What do you think of that, Nick? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a great suggestion um, because, you know, when it comes to things like this, you know, especially as marketers, you guys know how it is like, you know, marketers, you know, like we'll jump from one thing to the other right. thing to the other yep. thing. And it's like, hey, this is working as soon as it's like, oh, they stop links. I'm not going to do it anymore. Right. Yeah. So because of that, you know, um, he makes a very valid point in terms of, you know, your competition, at least in your niche, um, you know, you might you know, if you are a marketer, um, then in that particular case, you know, your competition might have drastically reduced or it might drastically reduce, you know, once the 31st right. comes around and people are like, huh, wow, all my traffic just died. What happened? And they start investigating and then right. they realize what happened if they're not, you know, keeping up. So on, on, on this point too, because YouTube, um, YouTube giveth and taketh away, but let's talk about what it giveth with like, so it's going to end of this month. We're going to have it, you know, those things, the links go away in shorts. But one of the things that we kind of glossed over maybe a little bit at the beginning is the being able to link to that long form content. And I want to talk about a little bit strategies about that because once, you know, like this is a live show. I know uh, Chris does live show podcasts as well. And I'm thinking about an opportunity of we've been able before to have our our shorts, you know, we, we do like repurposing, like Nick will say something amazing on the show and I'll take a, a section of that and, and post it as a short. Well, now we're able to go to that long for, for, form content. Do you think that's a something that like podcasters and live show people should really lean into now because we are going to have that ability? I mean, it's it's rolling out next month, right? Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I, I think that's definitely something that sh people should experiment with. Like, we, we don't know exactly how that's, you know, how, you know, people are going to flow through that yet. We don't know how long it's going to take viewers to get used to it and to realize that, um, that they can actually click on the links on the screen. Mm -hmm. um, we don't know, you know, in terms of our effectiveness of driving people to click on those links, right? Like in terms of at the end of your short, instead of keeping people looping, which then could end up hurting the impact of that short, do we tell people to, you know, click on the link for every short? Or do we have five shorts that we, you know, put out and those are just for the sake of, you know, getting us in front of people so that YouTube will show them more of our shorts if they enjoy them. And then, you know, one out of five, we try to drive people into that long form, right? But just experimenting with it and trying to, uh, you know, figure out what works right. best for the people that are, you know, interacting with your content. Um, I think that's something that, that everybody should 
be uh, experimenting with, especially when it comes to live streams and podcasts and things like that. In addition to that, um, you know, if you have a podcast, you should also have another YouTube channel. Um, if it's not, if your entire YouTube channel isn't the podcast, then you should have another YouTube channel where you're just uploading long form clips anyway. Um, you know, if you're if you're in that mode where you're like, hey, I'm, I'm in growth mode right now, I'm trying to do everything I possibly can, start a second YouTube channel, start uploading your clips there um, on a regular basis as well so that people can go in there and they can just get bite-sized versions of your content in addition to your main channel pushing shorts where you can also push shorts on that other channel um, as well. Okay, let me let me dive into this. So we're going live to Social Media News Live right now because that's the channel. Social Media News Live is our YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. And so I just do the live, uh, live show over there. I've experimented with doing like short stuff it just didn't work but i do the short clips like short shelf stuff so you're saying i should create another youtube channel and have it yes really okay yep basically have yeah yeah like what i would experiment with is i would spend like six months having every show that you do have somebody either you do it or have somebody else you know go through your shows and take out uh you know take out clips just good segments so let's say that there's you know five minutes here three minutes here ten minutes here um and just make regular long form videos out of the show that would be one channel so that people uh you know you're using that channel to capture people that don't have an hour to spend right right um that, that don't have you know uh you know two hours you know to hang out in a live stream or 30 minutes those people are the people that are going to click on you know five and ten minute and 15 minute content um and then have your main long form on your channel that you're currently on right now and then with that the whole thing there is if somebody wants to listen to the long form content then that would be the place to go and listen to that and then with shorts you can deploy that on both so right now I actually did this with my live streams um, to where I started a clips channel um, and then I stopped uploading to it just because the person that was doing it, um, they ended up not working with me anymore. And because of that, you know, I just never, I just wasn't motivated to do it, but I'm starting to do it again. So in that particular case, I'm taking my long form live stream, which is three hours long. I'm having shorts made from that, um, mainly doing them through uh, Opus, I think is the name of the, the, right, the right. service yeah, for it. But I'm taking uh, a lot of those shorts and some of them are gonna be going on my main channel and then some of them are gonna be going over on that channel so that I'm popping up on feeds of people that maybe haven't ever seen my main channel before, but YouTube is presenting this second channel to them. So basically what I'm doing in that particular case is I'm saying, okay, and I was doing this with the long form content too. And I've got some videos over that have decent amounts of views on them from this same exact thing. Like, at, you know, when it comes to YouTube, if you start interacting with the platform, you'll notice that even though you're watching a lot of content in a niche, it might take a really long time for YouTube to show you everybody in that niche. So because of that, when you spread things out in that way, then it gives you the opportunity to where YouTube is identifying the viewers that are interacting with this one and they're putting you in front of, you know, other people like them from that, you know, main channel. And then you have that secondary channel that is happening in the same exact way where YouTube is figuring out the people that respond to that. And then they're showing that content to other people like those people. They may interact in similar ways and they may eventually end up getting recommended your main content, especially if you're driving traffic back and forth that can kind of amplify that. But the whole idea is that you're giving yourself the opportunity to get in front of possibly more eyes in that particular in that particular space. Wow. 
My mind is being blown uh, right now because uh, that's why I do this show, folks. It's the free consulting. I, but I'm also a member of Nick's uh, VIP, so I don't feel too guilty about it. Um, well, so, I uh, uh, the, too, Jeff. If, yeah, if just but I, but I wanted this is a perfect yeah. segue because I'll be able to do this and not have all these lower thirds up because I use Ecamm. And they yeah. give me um, actually the the I have isolated video tracks when I'm done with this, so um, I'm going to be able to repurpose this for this other channel really really easily because I have all this in separated files. Oh, my mind is blowing! But if if your mind is blowing too, go to socialmedianewslive.com forward slash ecam. Check them out because they are amazing. Okay, Connor, sorry. Hey, and another thing, another thing, really yeah. quick. Um, if you are going to take that approach, um, one huge mistake, and I just want to mention this really quick because I you know because you have an interview show, so when uh, People are repurposing their podcasts and their live streams when they're interviewing people. It's very common for people to optimize around the guest. So for anybody that's listening to this or anybody that's watching this, if you have a podcast or a live stream that you repurpose, um, instead of optimizing everything around the guest, make sure that you optimize around the topic. Because um, like when Jeff publishes this content on, you know, as a repurposed form, if he's trying to get somebody to click on it, if he optimizes around it being a conversation with me, then in that particular case, it ha like the, the qualifier for somebody to be interested in that is they have to be familiar with me. But if he starts talking about, you know, if, if the whole thing is optimized around YouTube shorts, then in that particular case, they just need to be a content creator and they just need to be uploading shorts for that content to be of interest to them. So always make sure that unless the person is like serious famous, not like YouTube famous, even YouTube famous, like if it's somebody like Mr. Beast or something, that's fine. But um, unless it's somebody that's really famous, then in that particular case, make sure that you're always opti optimizing around the topic so you can reach a broader uh, amount of people. Mm, that's Love a great that. tip. Yeah. Go ahead. And I think, so uh, this might be a clarification and it might not, but podcasts on YouTube, I know you're talking about long form for live streams and, and things like that. If you already have a YouTube channel and you're posting videos to it and it's quote unquote long form, maybe it's five minutes, maybe it's 10 minutes, whatever it is. And now you decided, I also want to add my podcast. I go in, I label it as such as podcasts. The separate channel is just for clips, but would you still have the podcasts on your quote unquote home channel and you have those other pieces of content that, that you're posting to that channel as well? Or how, how does the strategy work for that? If the brand is the same and both yep. are long form, then yes. Um, so okay. then that way that channel becomes the resource for that long form content. Now, one one huge advantage that you have right now, and this is a feature that not everybody knows about, um, so I just want to mention it really quick. Um, so not too long ago, I would say maybe four months ago, um, my, my timeline's all screwed up. So maybe four months ago, maybe six months ago, um, YouTube introduced podcasts on right. YouTube to where all you have to do, and you can do this with your live streams, that's what I do, um, but, but all you have to do is you just add your live show or your podcast to a specific playlist and then you mark it as a podcast on YouTube and then it can also show up even if it's a live stream like this right now it can also show up over in YouTube music when people are looking for similar content over there um, and then eventually they're going to also roll out RSS feeds right. and all of that to where people are it, it's an it's a whole other area for you to be discovered um, on the platform so uh, just make sure that if you are putting both long forms on the on that main channel that you have them set up as different podcasts um, so that it goes out to YouTube music that way. And um, so that people can also like subscribe to each one on YouTube music. So if they love 
your interview show, but they don't like, um, let's say if you were doing like tips or something in their podcast or just having conversations around the subject matter, um, then in that particular case, they would know to look for that particular show if they were um, into that particular type of content. Got it. Yeah, Perfect. that's great. So we actually do that with this show and I also do it because I produce Guy Kawasaki's uh, podcast and we also uh, upload it there as well with that. One of the things that you mentioned in your video about the breaking news with uh, short slinks going away is that as of now, being able to you know take that short and point it to a long form content, you're not able to do that to a playlist is what they were saying. So that I'm hoping they do that because it'd be really great for us podcasters to be able to do a, a short and point it to that podcast long form content. So maybe that will roll out in the future. Yeah, at the at the time of that announcement, um, they said that they weren't going to link, uh, they weren't gonna allow links directly to playlists, um, but based on some of the feedback that they've gotten, um, they've mentioned that they were, or at least you know, people that I know that work there, mentioned that they are considering it, um, oh, just based cool. on the feedback that they got, because a lot of people are like, same exact thing, like why wouldn't you, if you're trying to get more watch time, <laughs> right. right, on the platform, um, or as a platform, why wouldn't you, uh, you know, link in the playlist? So right. yeah, fingers crossed that they uh, do that, because that'll really be incredible, being able to drive people into entire series of content right. with the, the root of that being a YouTube short, because then in that particular case, because, you know, just for clarity here for anybody um, that's listening to this, like what YouTube is ultimately going for is how much watch time they can generate per impression for every surface of the platform, every page of the platform. So because of that, if we can start driving people into playlists from YouTube shorts, then what can end up happening as long as it's designed like the long form content, then if you can basically attribute people going from that particular short, just like we can with the long form into that playlist or into a longer piece of content or into multiple pieces of content, um, then that originating video is generating tons of watch time per impression in the session that somebody is having on YouTube. And because of that, those originating videos where you can drive people into more videos, they end up getting more traffic because they can expect more watch time per impression because you're sending people through the chain. Um, if they can do that to YouTube shorts and as long as it's designed in the same way, which we'll find out if they add that, um, then in that particular case, you know, that would be also a great way to where if you can perfectly align the the topic and what it is that you are you know talking about or sharing or showing in a youtube short to a playlist of other relevant content that that viewer also enjoys that could that could also help the short blow up as long as it works the yeah. same that's that's awesome cross fingers crossed yeah. that that works the last really quick i just want to mention this for because we're talking about a lot of this news there's some potential tiktok uh changes and i'll just let uh, nick mention this just a little bit but they're actually and this is from TechRudge. they're talking about now this isn't confirmed reportedly banning uh links outside to e-commerce sites like Amazon. So it just, they wanna keep it in the walled garden. They wanna have people go to their TikTok shop, which rolled out uh, a couple months ago, I think. I, I wanna know, Nick, how do you think that, you know, we talked about, you know, making it harder for people to make a buck. Um, how do you think this is gonna impact creators who promote products from, you know, these platforms like they do on, on uh, YouTube? I think if people um, need attributable links for tools that are not available in the TikTok shop, then in that particular case, um, it's going to cause a lot of people to leave the platform. I think if um, TikTok is crediting them in some way, kind of like YouTube shopping does as an affiliate, mm -hmm. 
and they can keep people in the platform and then they drive people out through the TikTok links. As long as it's profitable, people will still do it. Uh, you know, as a content creator, you know, one of the one of the hardest things for people to do is just make money from it. Right. So because of that, especially people that are just relying on ads or just on platform monetization. So because of that, I think that uh, if they are still making it possible for creators to make money, then people will stick around. But if they, you know, do make it to where like affiliate marketers and, you know, people like that that are using the platform, those people will go away and they'll use other platforms for it. But, you know, at the core, just like YouTube, just like all these platforms, you know, it starts with creatives and it starts with, you know, people just making cool content and expressing themselves in some way. So people are going to continue to do that. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of people that just want to get famous or whatever. Right, so right. people will do it for those reasons. But for, you know, for people that are um, trying to generate income, um, if they're relying on those links, then, yeah, I think I think people will uh, those particular people will abandon the platform for something else or they'll find a workaround, right. you know, by driving people to their bio or, you know, something like that, which is something that you know, people already do. And I'm not sure uh, with that, you know, because you're the one that actually um, shared that with me. And I'm not sure if they're banning just places like Amazon, or if they're also banning like personal websites, like would I be able to link to my personal website as an example? If so, then that would be the solution right. to, you know, that particular problem. I think that you still can like in the when you have so many followers, but like they're even sunsetting their their Shopify storefronts, which a lot of people were mm -hmm. driving it to their Shopify. So uh, it's just really interesting. Once again, back up all your content, <laughs> to wherever, whatever you're creating, because you can hopefully put it somewhere else. If this stuff happens, always back it up. Um, yep. But Nick, I, you are the guy I go to for all this. I really appreciate um, you giving your insights today. And I mean, seriously, I've got to go back and make notes, make changes, start a new YouTube channel, all this stuff I've got to do now. Um, but I appreciate your time. Tell people where they can find out, you know, what you've got coming up, what you're working on, where they can find you. You mentioned some, when your website has a bunch of tools on that. Make sure you give that as well. Um, the floor is yours. Yeah, if you go to uh, nimmin.bio, um, then that basically takes you to my uh, link tree um, where you'll find, you know, everything um, there. But um, bestcreatortools.com is where I list uh, resources. I'm actually, uh, next week, I'm going to be adding a bunch of AI, you know, stuff to cool. that as well because there's so much cool AI stuff coming out for content creators. Um, so you'll definitely want to make sure that you're checking that out. And uh, yeah, really between, you know, those two things, um, you know, you'll end up finding everything else that, you know, that I bring attention to. Awesome. And you're going to be at VidSummit in October. October, correct? Absolutely. I wouldn't miss it. That's, Absolutely. That's right. Yeah. So, so I'm speaking there. Um, but you know, for everybody that is hanging out here, um, vid summit is happening. Um, it's a conference for content creators and it is the conference for content creators. If you're somebody that is interested in the creator economy in any capacity and you're making content, Vid Summit is a peer event for content creators. So you have a lot of other, you know, platforms that are a lot of other conferences that are more fan based. Um, but when it comes to video, content. Um, in that particular case, like Vid Summit is the one that you want to go to. And it's really cool, even if you're just getting started, because um, it's basically a place where successful content creators and people that are either in front of the camera or behind the camera, you know, working behind the scenes with the successful creators, um, they go there to share, we go there to share uh, what it is that we know about this space uh, with other people that are getting started and to help each other out. Because, you know, it doesn't matter how far, you know, you get down this road, there's always more stuff right. to learn. There's always so much stuff that is changing and all stuff that you got to stay up to date on and vid summit is kind of like the not kind of vid summit is the place um, where you go to you know just be informed and learn about all of this stuff yeah and you could go to uh, nick's website to check all that out and and get mm -hmm. your tickets if you need to it's in dallas yeah, vidsummit.com yeah vidsummit.com is, is where you'd go for that yeah 
So, yeah, it's in Dallas, This in my neck of the woods. So I'm going to mm-hmm. see if I can make it over there. So Connor oh, Brown, nice. the unsinkable Connor Brown, where can people find out more about you? You can find out more about me at WDWOpinion.com and across all socials at WDWOpinion. Reach out if you need help planning your next Disney or Universal vacation. What a show. What a show. Yes. Thank you guys for showing up today. Thanks, Chris and Gary and everybody who uh, left comments. Scott Ayers stopped by. All you folks. uh, Tatiana uh, teaches stopped by as well. Thank you guys so much. Wouldn't be able to do this show without you. Thank you for Nick for showing up today. Thank you for our sponsor, Ecamm. You can find out more about them at socialmedianewslive.com forward slash Ecamm. We'll see you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Social Media News Live.